Welcome to Place Prints, a 10-part audio series by David Rudkin that gives a voice to the stories that haunt different locations across the British Isles. The ninth in the series is titled Here We Stay and is set in Derbyshire. This place print will begin after a brief introduction from the writer. In September of 1665, the plague year, the plague flea came from London to the Derbyshire hill village of Eam in a consignment of out-of-fashion garments. In a startling act of civic self-sacrifice, at the urging of their Anglican rector and his old Puritan adversary, the villagers agree to quarantine themselves to prevent the plague from spreading afield, which they achieve on a huge scale and taking its cue from a plague map of the village designed by schoolchildren of Eam this place print was originally crafted on the principle of the museum audio guide. The museum is the village, with 15 stations, 15 tracks. This live recording is of a performance given in July 2015 in the parish church of Eam itself. Integral to the text is the recital of the name of each villager who fell to the plague. Surnames from the death register are still seen on family shop fronts here. There will have been such surnames among our audience too. See this place, three and a half centuries ago and more. A few clusters of dwellings, half timbered or limestone and thatch, isolated amid these hard grey hills and crags. Who would live here? Enough for me to call this home a while. Come. See this street. Mud, stone and earth, trodden only by feet and hooves, cut by cartwheels. Autumn fields and land either side, livestock, chickens. This terrace of three cottages, lowlier then, roofed with thatch. That middle one, in the street before it, look. Man mounting a horse. Dress roughly Cromwell time, you'd say. Out from the cottage, a young apprentice, is he? Hastening to him? Master, he cries. In that box just come from London, the clothes be damp, sir. Master bids him, hang them up, George, before the fire to dry. And rides away. You're not hearing yet. Still seeing, only. Through whose eye? Ah, you think. The Reverend's wife, perhaps. Wife of the famous rector here, your hero of this story. There he is before you, look. 
in his Anglican rector's broad-brimmed hat. Young man, passing down the street before you with his little son. Yes, his wife's would be a good angle on this story. But for one reason, she doesn't live through it. Oh, wasn't there another clergyman? The Puritan one before him? Made to step down when church and king were restored? Pastor Stanley, the one the legend forgot. His wife, perhaps? That's him there, coming up the street towards the rector. Puritan garb, severe. Crosses to the other side to avoid meeting him, you observe. Two men of God and at such odds. 1,665 years since their saviour was born. Puritan, royalist, heathen, all one to me. So who am I? Let me show you. In this middle dwelling, lowlier then, as I say, imagine you see within. Those materials that be damp, sir, our young George has opened out to dry before the fire. Cast off finery, perhaps, for his master to use as pattern for the gentry here. That would gratify that Puritan pastor. Babylonish fashions from the harlot city London, and out of them jumping judgment itself. Me, in the body of one flea, in that one flea choking it, too microscopic for your eye to see a throat full of seeds of death, each seed with one little red tip. Yersinia Pestis, to give me my name. Plague Bacillus. That am I. Poor flea. He can cough me out only when next he bites. Into another rat or a man. Puke me out into that warm blood of our young George, for example. Look. Five days later, six, seven. Here he's coming out again. Feet first, and in a box. See through the coffin lid. His nose and mouth stained where he has vomited blood. His eyeballs so swollen his lids can't close. You think he is looking at you, trying to tell you something? One. George Vickers, journeyman, presumed age 21 at least. September 7, covered in the earth, lost to sight, identity annulled. So I begin. A fortnight. I'm in no hurry. See brought out from this same dwelling, two, Edward, son of Edward Cooper, age three days. September 22nd, likewise covered in the earth, his tiny identity annulled. And now, next day, from this bigger cottage beyond it, three, Peter Hawksworth, senior, lead miner, September 23rd, same journey. Now, perhaps you begin to hear the tolling of a bell. Follow him down. There's the church. Lichgate. Corpsegate. Entranceway of those I've taken. Come through. Be my guest a while in this garden of stones. Your culture go round your sacred places the way of the sun, I observe. Or one to me. I go where I'm carried. See around you. Almost daily a new dug open cavity in the earth. Or one new filled. Four. Thomas Thorpe. 
September 26. Five, Sarah, daughter of John and Elizabeth Siddle, age 13, September 30. Six, Mary, daughter of Thomas Thorpe, aforesaid, aged 14, same day. Don't think I feel joy at the sight. I do not feel. I do not understand. Feel. I bring here what have been what you call people. It's what I do. And bring that young rector, mum, mum, whatever. More names for his Book of the Dead. Today, October 1st, Year of Grace, 1665. Dead of Plague, 7. Matthew Baines. Same day, 8. Elizabeth, widow of Thomas Thorpe, twice aforesaid. October 3rd, 9. Margaret, widow of Matthew Baines, aforesaid. Same day, 10. Mary, wife of William Thorpe. Already the surnames begin to recur. I see these newly filled cavities in the earth and more and more new ones open and know that I am working well. Scythe, wife of Humphrey Tor, buried October 6. William Thorpe, aforesaid yeoman, buried October 7. Richard, son of John Siddle, aforesaid age 7, buried October 11. William Tor, October 13. Amy, wife of above, buried same day. Oh, you think. What a terrible time to live where I can be so rampant. Time? What is a time? I am at once in your then and in your now and in your to come. Even in this moment, I breed in the war-beleaguered golden Athens of General Pericles. Even in this moment, I hatch in the Renaissance Florence of Petrarch and Boccaccio. In this moment, flouting her quarantine, I sail into the harbour of Marseille and bring my coughing, vomiting, suppurating death to 40,000. Even now, I spring from eastern carpets newly landed at Gravesend. I... John Siddle, twice aforesaid, husbandman, October 14. Elaine, daughter of the above, October 15. Humphrey, son of Peter Hawksworth, aforesaid, aged one, buried October 17. Martha, daughter of Matthew Baines, twice aforesaid, aged two, buried same day. Sit on that bench there, catch your breath, and watch them come. Jonathan, son of George and Elizabeth Rag, aged 11, buried October 18. Humphrey, son of William Tor, twice aforesaid, aged one, buried October 19. Thomas, son of Thomas Thorpe, thrice aforesaid, aged eight, buried same day. Mary, widow of Matthew Baines, thrice aforesaid, October 20. Elizabeth, daughter of John Siddle, four times aforesaid, aged 20, buried October 22nd. Alice, daughter of George and Elizabeth Rag, aforesaid, in her first year, buried October 23rd. Alice, daughter of John Siddle, five times aforesaid, age nine, buried October 24. I marvel how these people stay and wait for me, but ask them, why do you not take your children and go? They will answer, the plague has come as a judgment and we must abide our hour. Such innocence. I am no judgment. I am a life force in their God's creation as much as they are, and wherever I am let, therein I go. I attack their lymph glands, neck, armpit, groin. I burst their blood vessels, inflame their spleen, their kidney, arrest their heart. I am conveyed there by flea. 
One bite will disgorge me into their bloodstream. Of each ten I so enter, six to eight will die within five days. It's what I do. George Rag, twice aforesaid, October 26. Jonathan, son of Edward Cooper aforesaid, aged 11, buried October 28. Or I attack the lungs. You spit, cough, vomit blood. I cause you delirium, discoordination, racing pulse. Almost certainly you die within three days. For this, I am conveyed by droplets on your breath, particularly in speech. And I can travel in a sneeze. Achoo! Achoo! Or fall down. Humphrey Tor, aforesaid, October 30. Hugh, son of John and Anne Stubbs, age 18, buried November 1st. Hannah, daughter of Thomas and Alice Rowland, age 15, buried November 5. John Stubbs, aforesaid, November 15. Anne, his wife, November 19. Or I attack the blood. Black death, you call me then. I give you gangrene, necrosis, hemorrhage of the mucous membrane, of the bowel, clottings and blood bursts beneath the skin, ring-a-ring of roses, hallucination too, delirium, vertigo. This I do best, and this I do here. Transmitted by touch, direct or indirect, for instance, on grubby coins. Mortality, total. Elizabeth Warrington, age 19, buried November 29. Mary, daughter of Thomas Rowland aforesaid, age 13, December 1st. John, son of William and Anne Robotham, age 13, December 9. The landed and the wealthy, meanwhile, they respect no judgment. They leave. Hear them, out on their street there, in their coaches, hastening away. They have friends, family with large houses to receive them, or other houses of their own, and they can travel. But these, who have nothing and must go on foot, where can these escape to? Outlying farms and hamlets will turn them away. One woman tries better. She flees west up there and over that hill for the nearest town of some size that might not notice her. Oh, it notices her. Tidy, tight town of Tideswell to the west of there. They know by her speech from where she's come and send her back. Don't ask back here, does she die of me or not? I do not see to know that. As I'm about to bite or enter, do I ask, are you the woman who tried to spread me to Tideswell? Spare her and move on. I don't thank. An infant of William and Mary Rowe in his second year, December 14. Mary Rowe, above. December 15. William Rowe, above. December 19. No. Let rich and privileged with their better means outrun me. I am more at home among these poor. Here is their one dwelling, their only land they own or rent to live from, their only employment. Here is their living. By habit, these never went far from the place of their birth. Their miserable homes are a glory to me. Roofs of mouldering thatch, walls of lathe and plaster, floors strewn with musty straw. I burrow in their roofs, I gnaw through their walls, I breed in their straw. In their muggy warmth in winter, their houses are especially congenial to me, and their middens. I love the poor. And I love them for their church. Amidst them gathered piously and there, so close together, I leap. 
Oh, I leap. During hymn and prayer and sermon, I bite. I multiply. On breath from one to other to other, I spread. And by touch, from clothes to hands, I like a church. Thomas, son of John Wilson Jr. and Mary, his wife, aged five or seven, uncertain, buried December 19. William Robotham, aforesaid, December 24. Anthony, son of Anthony and Margaret Blackwall, aged 10, buried same day. Ah, by the gate here, that finger post I think you see, to Mompesson's... That's that rector's name. I have reason to be angry with that man. I show you by and by. And out, meanwhile, in the earthen, dungy street here, see how these organisms do their poor best against me. The adult males smoking tobacco in pipes. <coughs> Boy ones, too. Even some females. <coughs> Worse, that cloth look bound before their mouths, steeped in vinegar. Some among them, still I fly to with a kiss. Behind us already another comes. My number 43, January 1st, Robert, son of William Rowbottom, twice aforesaid, age 17. Down toward us past those cottages you first saw, 44, Samuel, son of William Rowbottom, thrice aforesaid, age 9, same day. These cottages, named now after me, you observe, Soon they'll name this whole village after me. Plague village. 45, Abel, son of Thomas Rowland, twice aforesaid, age 10, buried January 15. Isaac, son of John and Mary Wilson, aforesaid, age 5 or 7, unclear, buried January 28. Thomas Rowland, thrice aforesaid, February 14. John, son of John Wilson, twice aforesaid, age 9, Buried February 15. One escapes me. That lunatic, they call him. Merritt, Merrick Merlin, some such name. He's not a man for churches. Not a man for any company. Fled like a hermit. Up on his hill there somewhere where I cannot reach him. He has no one, needs no one. No one needs him. Only that cockerel of his. Follows him everywhere. How does he do it? Up there alone on that wild hill, living on berries and leaves and nuts like a madman. And water from a running stream. How I detest such water. I abominate his self-sufficiency. But these God-fearing sociable others, on they come. Deborah, daughter of John Wilson, thrice aforesaid, age 20, February 17. Alice, daughter of John Wilson, four times aforesaid, age 13, February 18. Anthony Blackwall, aforesaid, Freemason, February 21st. John Wilson, five times aforesaid, labourer, March 1st. And they would be more. Another whole village more. But for that girl there hurrying up the street before us, see her? 
She wrongs me too. One of the Siddle girls, Emma, Emily, some such name. Where is she going? So secretive. Where do you think she is going? This fine spring evening. Across the green there, stumbling in a hurry past those empty stocks. On and out, no railings there to her. To where that open ground falls steeply away. Where is she gone? Those treetops, thick below. They tell you there'll be water down there, flowing deep in that dead ground. Dead, you call it. Would it were. Ah, that's why her hurry. See them? She and he down there. How they defy me, thwart me, frustrate me. Down in that gorge beneath those trees. She this side the stream, he the other. You too, lad and lass there. Always you meet and only make gestures of helpless yearning at each other across that stream. Always you keep it between you, that running stream. I yearn too. One or the other of you, move across. Roland Tor of Middleton Stoney and your Emma, Emily, whatever. How can I do anything with that between you, that running stream? Oh, how you vex me with your tedious chastity, Roland Tor from Middleton Stoney. Stoney Middleton. What's that? Stoney Middleton. Oh, have it your way. Either way, stony ground to me. <laughs> evening after evening, oh, how you reach to her, she to you. Oh, how I reach too, to join you. But I can't, across that damnable stream. Step through and come to her, boy. Come and take her in your arms, swoon into her embrace, yield to your desire. Be a man. And catch me off her, Roland Tor, and take me home with you to your stony middle whatever. Oh, how he yearns to, but he won't. Hell burn dry, all flowing water. Oh, turn away from the sight of them so chaste there. Turn away. Look back to the street here. Black figures slowly passing down, bringing on horse cart, hand cart, or on their shoulders, bearing, pausing, bearing. Now one day, now another, in shine, in rain. Now another, now another. Each of them at that church last Sunday. Now on their way there again, in a box. Hear that bell. Boom, boom. And daughter of Anthony Blackwell, twice aforesaid, age 19, buried March 22. And all her mourners... Boom, boom. Thomas Elaine, April 6. And all his mourners. Boom, boom. I remember each death, each next dead body. Still I see him, still I see her. And in the eyes of our maker too, in that great book of all the dead, each name, even the tiny day-old child, is someone. Joan. Daughter of Anthony Blackwall, thrice aforesaid, April 6. Alice. Wait. Those intervals there. March 1st to 22nd, 21 days. To April 6th, 15. And in all of January, only four and all boys. In all February, only two men and three children. Dare we? Is something? Begin to hope. Alice. Daughter of Thomas Thorpe. Four times aforesaid, 
Age 14, buried April 15. Nine days. Margaret, wife of Anthony Blackwell, four times aforesaid, buried April 16. One day, good. Samuel, son of Hugh Hatfield, age 15, buried April 18. A boy, two days, yes. An infant of Thomas Elena Fawcett in his first year, buried April 28. After ten days, a baby only. Dare we. Next day, plague dead 60, Emmett Siddle. That's her name, M. Mott. Yes, you, M. Mott Siddle, whose sweetheart Roland would not cross the stream, nor you to him. Six nights ago, he waited on the bank there, and you did not come. Next night again he waited, and you did not come. And the next, and the next, infernal pair. And I had kissed you. Emmett Siddle, April 29. Robert, son of Thomas Thorpe, five times aforesaid, age 16, buried May 2nd. William, son of Thomas Thorpe, six times aforesaid, age 14, buried same day. Then... No others, through all this month of May. Dare we think it? God be thanked. The visitation has passed. See them in that street there, how they dance. No tobacco, their vinegared masks they've thrown away, and they dance. Onto this village green they spill all about us, and they dance. 63, June 1st, Isaac, son of Francis Thornley, deceased, aged 15. 64, June 12, Anne, daughter of Elizabeth Thornley, widow, aged 12. Same day, 65, Jonathan, son of Francis Thornley, deceased, aforesaid, aged 11. Same day, Anthony, son of Anne Skidmore, widow, aged 10, buried June 15th. Elizabeth Thornley, widow, aforesaid, same day. James, son of Roland and Elizabeth Moore, aged 8, same day. Editha, daughter of Roland and Elizabeth Moore above, age six, same day. Elizabeth, daughter of John Catherine Buxton, age 18. The visitation never left us. Like a cunning foe, it withdrew for a while, only to... Buried June 16, Mary, daughter of Robert and Elizabeth Heald, age 15. June 17, Francis, son of Francis Thornley, deceased, twice aforesaid, age 15. Same day, Mary, daughter of Anne Skidmore, widow, aforesaid, age 18. Same day, Sarah, daughter of William and Eleanor Lowe, age 11. Somehow we must fight this. June 18, Mary Mella. Same day, Jane, daughter of above, age 10. June 19, Anne Townend, widow. June 20, Abel, son of Robert and Elizabeth Archdale, in his first year. June 22nd, Edward, son of Francis Thornley, deceased thrice aforesaid, age 10. We must fight this. I went to church. I found it locked. I felt, yes, I said I do not understand, feel. Now I do. I felt, where is my fulfillment now? I felt, feel, in danger of extinction. And what's this happening here? All these people hastening past along this pathway, vinegar masks about their mouths again. 
and the girls among them <coughs> peeping from their apron pockets scented poses of summer flowers. Where are these all going? Only that plague of a parson has authority to summon them, so why not to the church? They seem to know where they're going. I dance, I dart amid them best I can. It's that parson for sure has summoned his flock. I hear him yonder. Flock indeed. Come, follow them. Careful. Path can be slippy down here, muddy. You could break a hip. Those villagers are ahead of you now. More used to paths like these. They none of them slithered nor slid. Sure-footed sheep after them. Yes, I see now. Here they all are, gathered about that. Before you, look, green mound and that rector preaching from it as a pulpit. Brothers, sisters, we know why we are assembled here. The pestilence oh. we thought had passed. Now, like a cunning enemy whose retreat is false, is returned to stormers with weightier weapons. But we have weapons too. From this day forward, we must gather for worship here, away from the village and in the open air. Oh! And, and I say, standing each at 12 foot distance from each other. Oh, see them! Shuffle away from each other. Sheep at his bidding. Brother Stanley and I concur in this. And that other clergyman, look in his black Puritan hat and white bib. He mounts that green abominable pulpit too. He and the King's Anglican at odds before now share a pulpit. Their two followings unite. And look at them, all standing away so obedient at that baneful 12 foot distant each from other. Oh, oh I suffocate and that Puritan. Brethren and sisters in the blood of Jesus, we know what further we must do. We must, at all times, not only here, but in all places where our lives permit, ring our own person each around with that same 12-foot distance none must enter. No! No! Yes, our very village itself and the farms and townlands of this parish we must ring about with a boundary strict that outward or inward none must cross. Oh! Yes, or be mindful. Whithersoever we any of us go, we bring the sickness in our clothing and on our very breath. Each of us is ourself an angel of death. So, we go nowhere. Nowhere. Let me say it plain. Here we are. And here we shall stay. We know what this means. You condemn us to death! Ourselves or the world. To my own congregation and to you all alike, this I say. Brethren, sisters in the blood, Truly cometh it home to us now the meaning of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. 
now falleth it to each of us to be ready to lay down each our life to save the world. It is that we do. We do this to save our neighbours out beyond that boundary we make and to save thereby their neighbours too and theirs and theirs on out into all the world itself. For that world we do this. We must lie down helpless in the path of this plague. No. Believe that we are helpless, then we are weak indeed. It doth raise mightily our spirit and our strength, do we but take hold upon this enemy, as we might grasp a serpent by the throat and say unto it, this we do. Foul serpent, thine is not the only will at work. We say unto the pestilence, here stay we, here also stayest thou. Each word they say, it flails me to the quick. King's man and Puritan, between them they make this village one against me, in detestable unity, brotherhood, society. In herd-like obedience I should thrive, but not in this. In this deathly meadow, I gasp, I thirst. Come away. There is a village yet, and small mean homes. Who can stay at twelve feet distance there, from loved ones? June 24, Anne Skidmore, widow, twice aforesaid. June 25, Jane, daughter of Anne Townend, aforesaid, age 19. June 26, Emma, daughter of Robert and Elizabeth Heald, aforesaid, age 18. June 29, John, son of Thomas Swain, deceased, age 9. Up on this street now, Three houses clustered on the bare hill up to your right there. A larger cluster up above. Quite a slope, this, is it? Quite a pull. <laughs> no effort to me. I'm carried where I go. Buried July 1st, Elizabeth, wife of Robert Heal, twice aforesaid. Next day, William Lowe, aforesaid. Eleanor, wife of Thomas Thorpe, deceased seven times aforesaid. Next day, Deborah, daughter of Francis Elliot, deceased, age 18. Next day, George Darby, minor. Next day, Anne Coyle, widow. Bridget, daughter of Richard Talbot of Riley. Mary, daughter of Richard Talbot of Riley, above, age 18. John Danielle. Next day, Elizabeth Swan, widow. Mary, wife of William Thornley. Here, on the left, look. Nine, it says, I took from this little house. Three of them in as many days. I don't remember. Do you remember each breath you've taken? July 7, John, son of Anne Town and deceased, twice aforesaid, age 17. Anne, daughter of Richard Talbot, twice aforesaid, age 5. Next day, Francis, son of Margaret Rag, widow, age 9. Next day, Elizabeth, daughter of Robert and Margaret Thorpe, age 13. Elizabeth, daughter of William Lowe, twice aforesaid, age nine. July 11... 100. Little she knows her distinction. Consigned to earth, Editha, wife of Godfrey Tor. Ah, down over here, we almost missed it. That's the name. On that plaque there, see it? Merrill. 
It's Andrew Merrill who escapes me. Twelve-foot distance, not enough for him. A whole moorside for him. Madman. Laughing at me from some hill up there where I cannot reach him. And that cockerel of his. Had I hands and could get near to wring its neck. Leave him. Leave him. On up there, round that sharp corner to your left, dwells another man who cheats me too, yet much to my liking. How? Ask indeed. For how is his name? Somewhere in that house, you see, is the house where he lives. I kissed him early on, and he survives me. Safe for me now. I should detest him, but no, he can carry me. And a big man, too, offers his strength to the bereaved to dig for them their cavities in the earth and cover for them their loved ones there. He has spied a need and how to profit from it, takes his fee, plus whatever else of value he might find in a stricken house. So away with him he brings me to many other houses and to his own. Good man, not a man much liked, but needed. Building himself up quite a business. You can lie dying upstairs and hear him down beneath your window digging the oblong hole where you'll be tomorrow. That I call a man of enterprise. Appropriate, too, that he lives up here above. His gain from all that loss below. Buried, July 13. Anne, daughter of William Lowe, thrice aforesaid, age seven. Buried, July 14. Margaret, daughter of Alice Taylor, widow. Buried, July 16. Alice, daughter of William Thornley, aforesaid, age one. Jane Naylor, widow. Buried, July 17th. Editha, daughter of Francis Bockinge, age 16. Elizabeth, daughter of William Thornley, twice aforesaid, age three. Jane, daughter of Richard Talbot, thrice aforesaid, aged eight. Buried. I write. But not in our graveyard now. Who would credit it? God's acre closed to the dead. Buried instead, not all in coffins even. Often only a shift. On their own land or in their gardens, else out in the hillside somewhere. Our self-appointed sexton or his services are needed. And I wish I could find for Marshal Howe more charity in my heart. And the list so grows. Back down now. Into their valley of the shadow. July 18, Robert Whiteley, Sr. Catherine, wife of Richard Talbot, four times aforesaid. Thomas, son of Robert Heald, thrice aforesaid, age 13. Robert, son of Emmett Dorr, widow, age 16. George Short, Thomas Ash, minor. July 19, William Thornley, thrice aforesaid. And the list so grows. And I fear for it. One day, please God, when this affliction is done and there shall be a great burning, ah! shall these pages burn too? These I list here are each a testimony to a great sacrifice. Their names must not be lost. Buried July 22nd, Francis Wood. Same day, Thomas, son of Robert Thorpe, aforesaid, age 19. Same day, Robert, son of Robert Thorpe, 
twice aforesaid, age six. Buried July 24th, Robert, son of Richard Talbot, five times aforesaid, age 20. Next day, Joan, wife of John Naylor. How shall I keep safe the names of these dead? At the foot of this steep street here, pause a moment. See beyond those trees up there, bare hillside, steep to the very moorland edge. Up there is something else that bane of a parson has done to thwart me. You've seen a footpath to its sign below. There are others. There is one road to it. Go which way you will. I go to it, as would you to the scene of an atrocity. My well, they call it now. It has a stone hood in your time, and an iron railing, an oblong of still water set in stone blocks. Between them, a few green straggles of fern. For us in our time, it is open, and open to the sky. So still the water seems. But see, along the edge of the hood's reflection, a tremor in the water. There's movement in this from below. A spring, a living well. Enemy to me. In that, these villagers leave their grubby coins to be scoured of me. Payment for provisions that folk from other villages will bring to help these keep their wretched organisms alive. Even his lordship the Earl sends food to be left for them there, and he won't take their money, so generous is he. Or is it his fear of contagion? Oh, living water, my mortal foe, you have me kiss their beauteous, filthy money all in vain. As though I were a witch, you duck me. Pernicious water, barrier in their commerce that I cannot pass. I will not say it. His idea, like so much else, to thwart me. And look up to the skyline beyond, the figure of the man himself. He's taken to doing that climb each seventh weekday of dry weather. Not for the exercise, he hardly needs that. So bowed he looks, with burden within, what clergymen call a heavy heart. Loose terminology, how could a heart change weight, however many times he writes in his book? The heart is a pump. Light, glistening and lustrous this glorious summer morning, makes emerald the pastures and golden the fields of barley, square within their neat limestone walls. Oh, the beauty of God's earth, and the fullness thereof made fruitful by the handiwork of man. And omitted I come, like some dark angel, bearing names of the dead. Along the skyline yonder, toward him another figure coming, to meet at that ancient ring of fallen stones imagine you now see there. No, not altogether meet, to stay apart at that abhorrent distance that so deprives me. The other, a clergyman too by his black, to wrap about his mouth that vinegared cloth that so repulses me. See them, seated each other on one of the stones, always at that distance. Death to me. 
our rector takes out a scribbled paper across the circle for him. The other takes out a paper too to write. You see now? A transcript. And on it must be no risk of my kiss. This past week then, Brother Walker. Buried. July 25th. Joan, wife of John Naylor. Thomas Hatley, a gentleman. Richard Talbot, six times aforesaid, yeoman. July 26th. John Naylor, aforesaid, minor. Joan, daughter of Richard Talbot, seven times aforesaid, age 10. Ruth, wife of Robert Talbot, deceased, age 20. Down here, meanwhile, I give those parsons writing yet to do. Buried July 28, Lydia Chapman, daughter of Sarah Short, widow. July 29, Margaret, wife of Joseph Allen. John, son of Godfrey Tor, aforesaid Cooper. Samuel, son of John and Anne Yellot, aged six. Roland Moore, twice aforesaid Cooper. July 30, Thomas, son of Francis Bockinge, aforesaid, aged 18. Nicholas, son of Thurston and Mary Whitley. Jonathan, son of Robert Talbot, eight times aforesaid, age 18. Same day, Mary, daughter of Robert Whiteley, aforesaid. Roland, son of Roland Moore, thrice aforesaid, aged two. Oh! With its black canopy, that sheep spit there, I took it for a lich gate. July 31st, Sarah, daughter of John Yeelett, aforesaid, alias Royce, age eight. Same day, Joseph Elaine, aforesaid, minor. Anne, wife of Francis Morton of Breton. Robert, son of Lydia Kemp, widow of Shepherd's Flat Farm, aged 10. Buried, August 1st, George Ash. Mary, daughter of John Naylor, twice aforesaid, age 15. August 2nd, John Hatfield, Sr. Robert, son of John Buxton, aforesaid. Anne, daughter of John Naylor, thrice aforesaid, age 6. Jonathan, son of John Naylor, four times aforesaid, age 9. Elizabeth, daughter of Joseph and Anne Glover, age 2. August 3rd, Alexander Hatfield, Taylor. I, he whose purchase of grand cloths from London brought me here. Good man. On. Same day, Jane, daughter of John Naylor, deceased five times aforesaid, age 12. Godfrey, son of John Tor, deceased in his first year. John, son of John and Elizabeth Hancock, age five. Elizabeth, daughter of John and Elizabeth Hancock, above, age seven. Margaret, daughter of John Buxton, twice aforesaid. Robert, son of Francis Bockinge, twice aforesaid, aged 19. And the lich gate itself there, barred to me with padlock and chain. The sight of it chills me. Yes, chills me. August 4, Thomas Hawksworth, minor. Margaret, daughter of William and Ellen Percival in her first year. Anne, daughter of Abraham and Margaret Swinnerton. Rebecca Morton of Shepherd's Flat, age 20. And here, at the other end of his churchyard wall, footpath to that execrable puddle of his, and on up to those stones there with his list. Buried August 6. Robert, son of Jane French, widow, age 11. Richard, son of Robert Thorpe, thrice aforesaid, age 3. Thomas, son of William and Francis Frith, age 2. August 7, John Yellett, twice aforesaid, 
Honor, daughter of John Hancock, twice aforesaid, age three. John Hancock, husbandman, thrice aforesaid. John Hancock himself? Himself, yes. Same day. William, his son, age 16. Three of his family in one day? Yes. And two other of the children last week. August 8. Abraham Swinnerton, aforesaid. August 9, Alice, daughter of John Hancock, five times aforesaid, age 14. August 10, Anne, daughter of the said John Hancock, age 9. Francis Frith. Here we are, I said. And here we stay. The heart of our village torn out. Livestock loose in the square. It's seven houses silent and still. A door hangs open. A crow flies in and out at a broken window. The gardens and land about with no hand to husband them are in their fullness fallen to waste. Truly is our Zion become a wilderness and our Jerusalem a desolation. A voice of mourning and lament. Another Rachel weeping for her children that are no more. There, look, along the green hillside there. She drags a burden in a sheet. Elizabeth Hancock. This one week has seen her drag dead son, dead daughter, dead daughter, dead husband, dead son, dead daughter, dead daughter. And out on Riley's hill there dig each a grave and bury with her bare hands. I go to her. I dread to. Yet I must. She kneels there, gazing into the grave. I go out across the green hill toward her, and I stand back. What can I say? Suddenly up through her the cry rises again. I see it. It shakes her, it breaks from her. Ugly. Bleak. I must say nothing. More than poor words of mine, she needs her grieving. She has seen me, her face bloated with tears. She turns away. She wants no words from me. Her grief is the worst. All their grief is the worse. Because perforce they bury their loved ones, not together in our churchyard, but scattered. And for that they fear that they're severed for eternity. They shall not be reunited in the kingdom. If only I could say to them with all conviction, the kingdom is no respecter of the graves of this world. Where our love is, there is the kingdom. In these times, we bury where we must. Out on Riley's Hill, here too is the kingdom. Parson, they will say to me, do you know that? Or do you only believe? I'm younger than most in this parish. I will not talk to them as children. I have no answers. I can only guide our questions. Is God just? If not, then better know God at all. How is God just? Like a parent. He chastises us indeed. Not for aught that we have done wrong. But that we, all of us, learn. Learn what? That is our task this plague has set us. To seek from it what it is we must learn. But how say that? 
August 11, Elizabeth, daughter of Lydia Kemp, aforesaid, age 21. August 12, William, son of Thomas Hawksworth, aforesaid, age 4. Same day, Thomas, son of Lydia Kemp, twice aforesaid. August 13, Francis, son of Francis Bockinge, thrice aforesaid, age 5. Same day, Richard, son of Francis above, age two. Same day, Mary, daughter of Francis above, in her first year. Same day, John Trickett. Same day, Anne, wife of John above. Same day, Mary, wife of Thurston Whiteley aforesaid. Same day, Sarah Blackwell of Breton, age 17. Same day, Bridget, daughter of John Naylor, six times aforesaid, age one. Here they are, he said and here they stay. Here stay I, too, perforce. See for yourself now how they have shrunk their world, and mine boundaried it with a stone. This way the villagers came. Did you manage those styles? Three, was it four? Very narrow. If those were his eye of the needle, your contemporaries, plagued with obesity, shan't make it into heaven. <laughs> August 14, Robert, son of John Hadfield, deceased, aforesaid, age 18. Margaret, wife of Abraham Swinnerton, twice aforesaid. Alice, daughter of Anne Coyle, deceased, aforesaid, age five. And that notice on one of the gates, did you observe? Please keep dogs on lead. Let them loose, I say. Let them spread what they will. Doesn't apply to me, some think. Some thought that about the 12-foot distance, too. August 15, Alice, daughter of Francis Bockinge, six times aforesaid. Thurston Whiteley, twice aforesaid, minor. Bridget, relict of Mr. Robert Talbot, Clark. Michael, son of Lydia Kemp, thrice aforesaid, aged 12. Anne, wife of Francis Wilson. Next day, Thomas Bilston. Next day, Thomas, son of Anthony and Elizabeth Frith. Joan, daughter of Jane French, widow, aforesaid, age 15. Mary, daughter of John Yeelett, deceased, thrice aforesaid, age 10. Quite a walk was all this. For a bite of fodder to stay alive. Out at last now, onto the open down. You're not lost. Landmark. Clump of trees on a mound to your left. Wooded valley ahead. High moorland yonder to the east. But those are on your earth no more. There in the furrow of pathway before you, your world ends. There before you, suddenly you almost missed it. In this green field, barring your way, here is the end of your world. Like some ancient shelled blind creature turned to stone, your boundary marker none must pass. Hell take it. And look where they have gouged in it. To catch rainwater? Not so innocuous. Look where from our village a woman comes, drops vinegar in that, leaves her coins in it. And I love money, but this... <coughs> She's gone now. Soon, east there up from the wooded valley, come women with provisions to leave at this obnoxious stone. Out of that water, they take up the coins in a cloth. Ugh! Ugh! The smell of vinegar everywhere. Ugh. With the coins in their cloth, they return down to their woodland. 
home to their damnable Middleton stony mid-whatever I cannot reach. Oh, to be with them. Soon, that woman from our village will come again to fetch the provisions the other women left and take them back with her into her village that I already possess. Oh, could I smash this stone? But more than stone I need to smash. This is her boundary. No guard towers, no barbed wire. She and her neighbors simply respect it. They come, leave their coins, back away. The insufferable self-discipline of these people. Have they no selfishness? As for her there, with her milk and cheese and bread away home to her village of death, so bowed she is. Her movement so weary. I whisper in her ear, why all this struggle? Let it go. So easy. Drop and sleep. She's being difficult. Let her. I have others. What all have you there, Pastor Mumperson? I'm at 192. Buried August the 18th. Sarah, daughter of Matthew Morton of Shepherd's Flat, age three. Poor Matthew Morton's already lost a daughter there. For gravestone now, he chisels their initials into a post in his barn. Same day, buried. Elizabeth, daughter of Anthony Thrift, aforesaid, age 13. Anne, wife of John Yellett, four times aforesaid. Thomas, son of Margaret Rag, widow, aforesaid, age 12. August 19, Anne, daughter of Thomas Hawksworth, twice aforesaid, age one. Joan, wife of William Ashmore. Next day, Elizabeth, wife of Francis Frith, aforesaid. Margaret, wife of Matthew Morton, aforesaid. And into that post in his barn, now he chisels his wife's initials too. I saw them. Sad, stark letters. In two short weeks, all that remained to him of daughters and wife, an R, an S, an M. Same day. 200, Anne Rowland, spinster. 201, John Buxton, thrice aforesaid, minor. August 21st, Francis, wife of William Frith, aforesaid. Same day, Ruth, daughter of Francis Morton, aforesaid, aged one. August 22nd, an infant daughter of William Frith, twice aforesaid, in her first year. Same day, Lydia Kemp, four times aforesaid. August 23rd, Peter Hall of Breton. August 24th, an infant son of Matthew Morton, twice aforesaid, in his first year. August 25th, Catherine, wife of Mr. William Montpesson, rector. Same day. Cat, your wife, sir? Yes. Only, only three evenings before, walking home with us through the fields, suddenly, a will, she says. What a sweet scent in the air. Little she knows what I've learned here too well, that sweet delusion of fragrance is the plague at work on her already. Foul traitor death. You've torn me in two, cast away my better half. You've made our son an orphan, and so you make me equal to those who look to me in their own loss. Poor death, you only make me stronger. 
Buried same day. Samuel, son of John Chapman, deceased aged 18. Anne, daughter of Francis Frith, deceased twice aforesaid aged 12. Joan, wife of Marshal Howe. Your unofficial sexton. He too, a widower now. They say he brought the plague home with him from his work. Not a man much loved. Yes, he too is a widower now. Same day, Thomas, son of William Ashmore, aforesaid aged one. Next day, Thomas, son of Robert and Joan Wood, August 30, William, son of Marshal Howe, aforesaid aged two, and loses his child. Same day, Mary, daughter of Christopher Abel in her first year. Catherine, daughter of Robert Talbot, deceased aforesaid in her first year. Francis Wilson aforesaid, husbandman, so many. In this August alone, have 78 of our number died. September 1st, Elizabeth, daughter of Francis Frith, deceased, three times aforesaid, age 11. William Percival aforesaid, blacksmith. September 2nd, Robert, son of John Trickett, deceased, twice aforesaid, age 1. Henry, son of Francis Frith, deceased, four times aforesaid, age 17. September 4, John Wilson Minor. Mary, daughter of George Darby, deceased, aforesaid, age 20. September 7th, William Abel, husbandman. George, son of Francis Frith, deceased, five times aforesaid, age seven. Next day, Godfrey, son of Thomas Ash, deceased, aforesaid, age seven. Next day, William Hawksworth, thrice aforesaid, minor. Robert Wood, Humphrey Merrill, yeoman. September 10, Sarah, daughter of Francis Wilson, twice aforesaid, deceased. September 13, Thomas Mosley, minor. Joan, wife of Robert Wood, aforesaid, deceased. September 18, Mary, daughter of William Percival, twice aforesaid, deceased, aged three. And I can give them nothing for their comfort. Only repeat and repeat. Our tribulation is not in vain. Thanks to you, no report of the disease from any village around us. Tideswell, Hathersage, Grindleford, Stony Middleton, all so far spared. But for you, it would surely be in all of those by now. And in Chesterfield beyond, Sheffield, Manchester even. You, by your bitter sacrifice, have sprinkled the blood of the lamb on the door of every household in the country round about. And the angel of death has passed over them all. Our resolve must persist. This affliction will pass. It shall. I feel it already begin to fail. September 20, Francis Morton of Fulau, husbandman. Next day, George, son of Samuel Butterworth, age 17. Next day, Anne, wife of Francis Townend of Breton, age 21. Next day, Anne, wife of Joseph Glover, aforesaid. Anne, widow of Peter Hall, deceased, aforesaid. Francis, son of Anne Hawksworth, widow, age 14. September 29th, an infant of the above Francis Townsend in his first year. Same day, Susanna, daughter of Francis Morton, deceased aforesaid, age 15. October. October 1st, Jonas Parsley. Next day, Grace, wife of Francis Morton, deceased, twice aforesaid. October 4, Peter, son of Thomas Ash, deceased, twice aforesaid, age 3. Next day, Abraham, son of Francis Morton, deceased, thrice aforesaid, not yet 21. Next day, Thomas Tor, senior, Benjamin, son of Francis Morton, deceased, four times aforesaid, age five. 
October 8, Elizabeth, daughter of the said Francis Morton, five times aforesaid, deceased, age 18. Alice, daughter of Alice Taylor, widow, aforesaid. 250, October 11th, Anne Parsley, widow of Jonas, aforesaid. Same day, Agnes Sheldon. Our first death not from plague since the plague returned. No, no, I dare not hope. October 12, Mary, daughter of Francis Morton, deceased, six times aforesaid, not yet 21. October 13, Samuel, son of Peter Hall, deceased, twice aforesaid, age 15. Peter, son of Peter above, age 9. October 14, Joseph, son of Francis Morton, deceased, seven times aforesaid, age 7. Age 15, 9, 7. Am I killing only children? 255, October 15th, Grace, daughter of the said Francis Morton, deceased, eight times aforesaid, age 3. An adult here, October 17th, Elizabeth, widow of John Daniel, deceased, aforesaid. Same day, Anne, daughter of John Grundy of Fulau, aged 15. October 18th, Francis, son of Francis Morton, deceased, nine times aforesaid, aged 16. October 28th, William, son of the same Francis Morton, ten times aforesaid, aged 21. 2.60, November 1st, Abraham, son of John Morton de... There's a silence in the street. No weeping. No bodies being dragged by the neck. No burying. Why not? They're nowhere near all dead. Oh, look. Observe that shop over there, George Siddle, family butcher. That Emmett girl, she was a Siddle. The names die hard. I must not be distracted. This silence. What's that? What bird is that? That madman's on his hill. What's that doing down here? And here he is himself, come down that track searching after. That lunatic Merrill, still alive. Old fool, and not such fool. If his cockerels come back, could this place be safe? Safe from me? Still, I cannot reach him, alone before me in all this empty square. He looks like a dead man walking, all bones, skin brown and dry as a coffin of varnished oak. He is alive. Curse him. He has cheated me. He and his deplorable self-sufficiency. Up they go toward that church now. One by one now, the villagers peep out at their doors. Merrill's back. Merrill's back. And they've been counting. How many days now since... Since... 19, 20, 21. 
22. I'm still here. I'm still here. <coughs> Look at him. Up along that churchyard wall. <coughs> Old loon who kept away from everyone and preserved himself alone. And here come the villagers who acted all as one. Between them they have thwarted me. Soon their bells will begin to ring. Ding dong! That rector will unlock his church. All will assemble again and sing thanksgiving. Wah, wah, wah. And I, somehow I cannot reach to any one of them. I cannot breathe. Here we are, footpath to that man's puddle. Oh, how I am angry with that. Mon passant. Here we are and here we stay. Angry with that Puritan too. Brethren in the blood. Without his persuasion, these people would have stayed divided, moved freely, and I would have leapt out from here as from those clothes in that tailor's cottage there and spread about the whole region. As it is, I have to leave this as a work unfinished. My image of this village is fading. I am the dead one now. I am the ghost. 260. Dead. And for those who died since our decision, I am to answer. Not I alone, but so far as I am to answer, I am to answer for these all. But credit too must be shared. The Puritan Stanley, without his persuasion, we could none of us have achieved this bitter victory. And to all the people of the parish must go the honour. They stood themselves as one in the front ranks before the scythe and the countryside about is saved. Amid our thanksgiving, I hear a discordant voice, plague's ghost, death's harlot's sister, shrieking in the street. There is no such thing as society. Look on our village, lady, and bethink thee again. Yet, in time to come, shall others have the society in them to do as we did. Enough of rector and pastor. I'll give you a sermon now. Look down all you like on those simple folk and their notion of my coming as a judgment. You say your science tells you better. I tell you. In your now and in your to come, 
I see so many a visitation afflict your earth, and each a consequence of heedless choices your more scientific kind have made. We come there as a judgment after all. And I am still here, an organism like you in the weave of nature herself. I wait. David Rudkin's Here We Stay was performed by Ray Castleton, Charlotte Cornwell, Haley Doherty, Jack Wilkinson, and Anthony Wise, directed by Jack McNamara, with sound by Adam McCready and violin by Anghara Davis. It was produced by New Perspectives Theatre Company, funded by the Space and Arts Council England. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us with a review and subscribing to the series. To learn more about our work and watch the accompanying short films by Grant G, please visit newperspectives.co.uk.